who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. Welcome back to Election Shock Therapy. It is 928 Central Standard Time. <laughs> I just need to say what happened because this is this, this is has real almost funny. never happened. Almost never. Uh, I just we just recorded like for about seven minutes and then I realized I didn't have anything turned on. So <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna repeat everything we said word for word. We script all these out. Right. I think everybody knows that. Right, right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. type it all tightly. <laughs> yeah, this is basically the Literally. office except for you know That's podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. So, with that in mind... We should introduce um, ourselves again. <laughs> I'm yeah. still Chris Moore. I'm still Andy Ramsey. I'm uh, Mitchell Crum. But, and joining us this time is... Matt Muscle. And Matt, you, um, you're the reason why Sam forgot to hit record. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I have to be blamed. Oh. No, it's... Uh, um, much like, uh, much like Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond, you own real estate in Sam's head. <laughs> I am his brother. That's right. Uh, and he's done a number of these podcasts. And I think that number is between three and four hundred, and you've never been on one. So uh-huh. Welcome. And, and Thank we're you. So finally resolved. I've listened that to issue. most of them. I'm sure I won't listen to this one. That's right. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> but um, Matt, tell us your tell us your day job. So I work for Metropolitan State University, and I coordinate a master's degree program in advocacy and political leadership. So training campaign managers, lobbyists, people who are working in the public cool. sector. Fantastic. Yeah. So we're going to come back to you in just a second awesome. for um, local races. But first, uh, Andy. Um, what do we know now in 9.30 Central Standard Time about how the race for the House and the Senate are shaping up? Well, the advantage of this re-podcast of their earlier we is now we officially <laughs> are being told that the Republicans will keep control of the U.S. Senate. I said before it was like a nail in the coffin. So I think this yeah. is um, pretty clear with Ted Cruz holding in Texas with um, Kevin Kramer winning over Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota. Um, the Republicans have kind of sealed their control. Uh, for the Senate, regardless, and probably going to pick Nevada. up a seat or two. Well, yeah, they've already. I mean, they're two ahead, two up now. They've two. They, of course, they could yeah. lose a couple in um, Arizona and Nevada. But even if they did that, um, it would still they would still hold control. So, yeah. so yeah. that's kind of a slam dunk. Um, the House seems pretty clearly to be going toward the Democrats. Yeah. Um, that's not official yet, but that seems um, like it's it's really a question of margins at this point. Right. I mean, do they win by just a few seats? Do they get closer to two thirty? Um, I think, as we said before, it's not going to be a huge, like, you know, 50, 60 seat pickup, but it'll be enough to, to you know, control the House. Yeah. So we can't, Mitch, we can't say this is a wave, can we? No, no, this is not going to be a wave. Uh, this is uh, essentially, you know, if you look at um, historical patterns and political science, you know, we basically expect the party that doesn't have the control of the White House to gain seats. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing the party that the Democrats who do not control the White House picking up seats, but they're not gaining them in any kind of unprecedented way. We're not seeing any kind of massive number of flips. We're mostly seeing seats that would, you know, you'd imagine that would already lean to, to some degree towards one party mm-hmm. or the other, or that would be close toss-ups flipping towards the Democrats, which is exactly what, yep. what, what you'd expect. So mm-hmm. we'll probably, you know, the Demo- again, it seems pretty certain at this point the Democrats will take the House, but it's not going to be some kind of enormous... Uh, wave. This is not going to be 2010. This is not going to be, you know, 1994. This isn't going to be one of those massive years where you know there's a decisive winner that 
just absolutely sweeps through the you know sweeps through the house races. So yeah. it might be too early to answer this question, Mitch, but I'm coming. Uh, we'll have to come back to this. Is is it possible that the Republicans are overperforming their numbers, or is it more likely that the media overinterpreted the strength of the Democrats in their in their polling numbers? Um, I think. So, so there are a couple of things going on there. So, I think number one, uh, as far as the House races go, it's always difficult to know exactly how enthusiasm is going to play out in the House, yep. just because every single mm. race, particularly for the House, is very local, and so yep. it's very difficult to sort of say how a certain national sentiment or national feeling is going to sort of play out. Then, when you look at at a particular local race, is somebody you know is is, is essentially some kind of is. is you know, is somebody is somebody in a rural county, or, you know, or in a rural district actually going to be able to see and capitalize right. on some kind of massive upswell in national sentiment, one way or the other? And so, for that, it, it, the media may it was probably picking up on something real. There probably is more sentiment and more enthusiasm among de- among Democrats, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be able to necessarily always translate in, that into victories. And I think especially when you're thinking about the fact that um, particularly the map looks very favorable to Republicans in general, um, right. particularly due to gerrymandering in a, in a number of states and things like that, you know, that already is going to dilute any kind of enthusiasm uh, that you might have, particularly from the Democrats. So, so I think all of those factors, you know, it's not any one of those factors, but all of those factors together especially are going to kind of lead you towards um, less of a wave than you might expect, even if there is sort of a, a, a surge of Democratic enthusiasm. Okay. Yeah. I think we should know, I mean, like, this is well within what we would have expected based on the polling we had, right? I mean, like, yes, that's 538 has been tracking this, and they're saying, yep. you know, the odds were overwhelmingly in favor of Republicans keeping the Senate by a, probably a seat or two, which is where it's look, what it's looking like right now. Um, yep. And the, the House, they felt like, I mean, the, you know, the odds were either the Republicans would hold it very narrowly or more likely the Democrats would take it, but yep. not overwhelmingly. And that's mm. that's what yep. we're looking at. So, I mean, again, individual races are hard to tell because there's so little polling at the House level. Right. Um, very few House races get pulled more than a couple times. Um, yep. And so you just are going off real limited data and trying to figure out exactly what's going on yep. on the ground. Um, you know, well-attended rallies are nice, but they're not actually all that indicative right. of what's going on. And, and I think going to Andy's point too, especially when you're when when you're, when you're looking at 538, and part of the reason 538 is usually more accurate than a lot of the others is because right. they try to predict each race based on the individual what, whatever data they have for those local right. races. Whereas right. oftentimes, when you're looking at coverage in the media and you're listening to pundits on like CNN or Fox or MSNBC, right. they're oftentimes talking about sort of generic ballot right. um, numbers, which oftentimes will give you a little bit more of a concentration than you might than you're actually going to see at those local races right all right matt uh i want to uh, zoom in here on minnesota a little yeah. bit and um, i haven't been following the minnesota races much other than to see we've seen the the third district flip we've seen um the sixth be called uh we've seen um the fourth be called and those are not surprises so what else do we know here what do we know, what do we, what do we know about governor or we've got about a fourth of the precincts reporting uh, and we see uniformly on the statewide Democratic ticket about 55 to 60 percent support. Okay. So they're in a leadering position, but I think we've also seen a lot more metro vote in that mm. yep. than we see okay. the entire state. So I'd expect those to mm-hmm. get closer. Yeah. Um, but you know, looking at it, I feel like in the governor's race, Tim Walz and Peggy Flanagan, um, they're in a good position. I think Klobuchar has already been declared a winner, mm-hmm. and she's a little higher in okay. her numbers than the rest of these folks. Um, but that being said. Statewide, it looks like uh, it could be a good night for Democrats. Um, we're seeing um, in the Minnesota State House, 
there have already been four Democratic pickups. Okay. All of these are suburban yeah. seats. All of them are in the Paulson territory. Mm -hmm. So they're places mm -hmm. where, you know, for, uh, for U.S. Congress, you've got Eric, uh, or so you've got um, Dean, Dean Phillips, Phillips overperforming mm -hmm. yeah. um, and winning that and then taking members of the state house with him. Interesting. For the Democrats mm -hmm. to win a majority in the state house, they need to win 11 seats. Right now they've got four, but what I've, and now I've been looking at races that are outside of that Phillips area, but also in the suburbs, and there are a lot of very competitive races where mm -hmm. Republican mm -hmm. incumbents are in trouble. Now that does, again, I think that looks like what we look like nationally, where we're seeing yeah. that th yep. these races are close, but the way that they'll break isn't you know determined so right. at the national level you can see well hey it's looking like you can see a path for democrats to win a majority mm -hmm. similarly at the state house you can see a path um so that's a little bit what we see in the state okay yeah. one question for you here yeah. um i see that keith ellison currently is leading uh, doug wardlow for attorney general but his lead uh, his percentage is lower at this point than the the percentage for tim walls right. or for amy klobuchar or for tina smith um does that bode does that bode well for Wardlow as we get into some of those more Republican leaning districts in the count? Absolutely, and it really then depends on what's the scope of the Democratic lead right now. Okay. Yeah. So you know, if you think about that, Walls is at fifty nine, and Ellison's at fifty five. It says to me that okay, so if what we were seeing in the polling beforehand is that Walls might win at about fifty four, mm -hmm. well then if Walls is winning at fifty four, then Ellison could be fifty fifty. Yep. You know, like, so that's looking like a very close race. You're seeing yep. a drop-off, but not a drop-off that's you know, insurmountable. So it's yep. not a collapse right. of Keith Ellison as a candidate right now. Right. Um, similarly, in the state auditor race, uh, Julie Blaha and Pam Myra mm -hmm. have numbers that reflect the Ellison-Wardlow numbers. So it's also interesting. interesting that there's another statewide campaign that doesn't have the same issues of that campaign, mm -hmm. but that's reflecting that closer partisan um, divide. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. We got a break, but break. we'll come back in an hour and we'll see uh, where we're at at that point. Um, go Royals.